This podcast is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get your own RSS feed with ad-free shows and extra episodes every month, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. programs and welcome back to another edition of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond and uh, we're just discussing before the the show how busy our lives are for the next two to three months which is weird because i feel like january is like the lull period of Mm -hmm. the year because everybody's coming off the holidays no one really has any money to do anything So it's just kind of like, even, you know, with, with work, it's not extremely busy, but for some reason this year it is. And it's crazy because we both have our weekends are booked solid until March, Yeah, which is wild (laughs) because we've got, you know, our individual commitments, the premiere for the feature is next week. Mm -hmm. Then I've got, uh, I've got to work all of the following weekend, getting back into filming weddings so I can get some extra money. We've got Pensacon, so everything's just pretty solid for me. As far as Pensacon goes, do we have any news for for what we're going to be doing for for Pensacon yet? Uh, nothing yet. Hopefully, um, hopefully next week okay. we'll have some uh, some confirmation. Awesome, because I had a really good time with the panels we did last year, and uh, there might mm-hmm. be a return uh, of something that we've done in the past. Maybe something will be defended. Maybe. We'll, we'll we'll just we'll, we'll, we'll say that <laughs> but if if I get the confirmation, which hopefully I will, in you know the next day or so, I will uh, I'll make that announcement next week. Imagine this uh, this Pensacon will be a little bigger because you know COVID is pretty much. I mean, it's still going, but it's it's pretty much over at this point. And everybody's like, let's just go out and do stuff. Last year was pretty busy, but I have a feeling this year is going to be crazy. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate that we don't have like a a huge convention center because Pensacon's always been a little spread out anyway, but they've had to grow because it keeps getting bigger. Mm-hmm. And now there's stuff going on all over downtown. And then without you know, like w- without the the hotel next door that closed down after the yeah. last storm, that's a lot of space that's uh that they, they've lost as far as p- doing panels and things of that nature. It's still sitting there deserted. It's mm. been that way since Perk. I, I don't think it's ever going to open back up. And plus, it's been like a group will buy it with the intent to repair it. Mm. Then that falls through. Then another group comes in that falls through. So I think it's pretty much done. So no, our, it's just been a ghost town. If any of our listeners are, are multi-millionaires or billionaires and want to invest in some property... In Pensacola, you could get the uh, the the big hotel. What's that hotel? What's the name of the hotel again? The Grand Hotel. The Grand Hotel. You could buy that and get it open again and uh, have a place for Pensacon to hold stuff. But I, I did like the room where we had our panel last year. It was mm-hmm. more of an intimate setting, but the room was pretty much full. Yeah. And, you know, we, we did the panel just like we do a normal episode of the show. I know we've done several uh, specialty, you know, like themed shows. But I, I like doing just the normal show mm-hmm. in front of people. So I, I think that's probably what we're going to do this year. Well, we'll keep you guys updated on, on when we get confirmation for everything. And uh, hopefully we'll see you guys at Pensacon this year. And uh, that is February 16th, I believe. It's the, let me pull up my calendar real quick. It's the last weekend in oh, okay. February. It's the 24th through the 26th. All right. So hopefully we'll see you guys there. And um, yeah. we, we can get together and just have a little meetup and see each other and say hi. And uh, that would be awesome if we could see you guys over at Pensacola. Hopefully so. But uh, but I'm ready to jump into the news. How about you? Let's do it. Stories were submitted to us by Armez Jackson, and if you have a story you'd like us to cover, please send them to NerdCaveRetro at gmail.com. And this first story comes from TimeExtension.com. WADA graded a 2016 Castlevania Repro, and now it's on eBay for $4,000. 
because story, of course it is. Story makes me sick. <laughs> Topic of grading video games is a is a hot one right now with some of the companies involved in the process being accused of artificially inflating prices and other shady business practices. Uh, if you don't know about any of that, just go look up some of the articles about uh, WADA and uh, some of the retro gaming uh, stuff that's been going on with all the auction houses and everything. It, it's dirty business right now. And uh, whatever your stance on the subject, the latest episode doesn't exactly paint WADA in the best light. A copy of the highly desirable Castlevania game Dracula X Rondo of Blood on the PC Engine CD-ROM uh, recently went on eBay for a whopping $3,989.99. The reason for this insanely wallet-busting price, it's brand new and sealed. The other reason, it has been graded by WADA, which after putting the game through its fair, detailed, and accurate grading scale, awarded it a coveted 9.2 Holy Grail Mint Grade rating. However, there's a catch. It isn't an original copy. It's an unofficial modern-day reproduction created by a company called PCE Works. The smoking gun in this case is a small plastic dimple on the lid of the CD jewel case, which isn't present in the original version of the game. Uh, and Auction makes no mention of this and, in fact, claims that this is the 1993 original. Uh, at the time of writing, the auction remains live, so it remains to be seen if anyone is fooled by WADA grading, and sky-high price tag. Uh, this needs to be yanked down immediately. Why has mm -hmm. eBay not pulled this down yet? So, uh, taking out the, the ethical side of this, which is the biggest deal, and I don't want to downplay that, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. Where are people getting the money to pay for <laughs> these types of games? Like, I don't have $4,000 laying around to buy a fake Castlevania. I think this is a lot of speculators working together, especially the, like what happened with the, in the, in the auction houses and WADA is they're all working together to jet, to drive the prices up is what they're doing. It's so shady. I hate, I, I hate when we report stories like this. It's because of these people are the reason people think their crap is worth gold. Like, that's why you walk into a retro game place right now and, you know, Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt cart is like 15 bucks. Like, why? <laughs> you have 85 copies of it. You know why? Because they made like 30 million of them. That's why. It's not rare. Nobody wants it. Same thing with, with and I've said it a billion times, and probably on this show too, a billion times at least. Like, when you go to a retro game shop, or you look on eBay and people have the gold cart Legend of Zelda and they want like 60, 70 bucks for it. Like it's worth like five at the most. They made so many of those things. It's not rare. If the if you want a rare one, go get the gray cart one that they put out. I was about later. to say that. <laughs> That's the one they only made like maybe a million of those, if that. Like that was produced way later. Nobody had that one. That was like the 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 what do they call it the the something series like that they put out later. They did the same thing with Metroid. Uh, yeah, they had the yellow cover Metroid. Those later versions of the games. Those are the rarer ones. Why are those not going for more? Yeah, I'd personally rather have the gray Legend of Zelda because you can't find it nearly as easily as you can the gold one i mean the gold one looks cooler but like that was the norm for that game mm -hmm. people assume that because it's gold it's a collectible it is not it's like i, I never it's understood why game. that n64 super mario 64 box uh complete in box went for like over a million and yet yeah. you still have you know nintendo world championship carts out there there's only like 30 of them in existence and they're they're only going for like eighty grand. Why? Those are way more. Like those should be the ones going for a million. I just don't get it. I don't understand what is happening. I just wish there was a way to punish these people that are doing this. <laughs> uh, I really do. Them losing all their money is how it's going to punish them. Yeah. But it's like um, it's like one of my mentors said when I worked at the the PBS station uh, here in town. Karma is like a boomerang. Mm -hmm. You're going to throw it out there and you don't know when, but eventually it's going to come back and hit you. Yep. 
Exactly. And eventually it's going to come back and hit these people. Exactly. And it's it gonna can't happen. happen soon enough. Well, the bubble's already starting to burst, so we'll, mm-hmm. we're seeing it now. Yeah. Next up, we have a story from NintendoEverything.com. 2021 Moon Escape Open World Adventure coming to the Switch. Publisher Incube 8 Games, along with developer Mike Yamato, has announced that the Open World Adventure 2021 Moon Escape will be released digitally on the Switch. It recently had a physical cartridge run on the Game Boy as well, which makes sense given the aesthetic. And there's a, a screen cap here on the article. It looks like straight up a, you know, like a late run Game Boy game. Like it looks a little more advanced than what you would find on a Game Boy, but something that would really push the limits of that hardware. Did you get uh, the a game chance takes to, place... to look at the uh, the little trailer video here on? I I did not. It but looks... I I will I will when the show's over. It looks really cool. I'm I dig it a lot. Uh, The game takes place in a galaxy devastated by an unprecedented war. The game has you playing as Tars Nunyan, a paladin of the Marked Brotherhood, whose only mission is to return the enemy war plans to the capital planet Astra Nova in the hope of organizing the last desperate defense against the terrible Kisur Barbarians. I mean, the the screen cap looks cool. Um, You know, it it looks like a game that I would have played. It reminds me a little bit of you know, Link's Awakening, that top-down mm-hmm. kind of view, and the, the graphics are very similar to it, so I, I would probably dig this game. Yeah, it's definitely got that late Game Boy graphic style where they, you know, they started to push the limits of the system, and uh, it, it looks really cool. I mean, I would love to give it give it a, a play. It doesn't say how much it's going to be, though, does it? It does not. It doesn't give a release date, either. No, it should or, be coming out this year, though. Early, probably. Yeah, I'll keep my eye out for this because th- this would have been a game I would have played on the Game Boy mm-hmm. had this been released in the '90s. Yeah, this looks great. I'll give it. A, I'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next story comes from NotHardware.com. Retro Gaming Modder creates a fantastic capture cartridge for the Nintendo Game Boy. The original Game Boy is one of the longest-lived and most beloved video game systems in history, but it has the same limitation as most handheld game systems: no video out. That means that speedrunners and streamers have to find hacky workarounds if they want to broadcast their gameplay to others. YouTuber Sebastian Stax, uh, known as their ought to be, has devised the most elegant solution yet, a capture cartridge for the Game Boy. The device is known as the GB Interceptor, and yes, you can get one yourself. It snaps into the cartridge slot of the handheld and then provides its own cartridge slot where you can install a game. From there, you simply connect a USB Type-C cable to the port on the side and then wire it up to almost any uh, reasonably modern PC. Uh, Presents itself to computers as a simple USB video class device, um, basically a webcam. That means it does not require any particular drivers or software, and you can capture the clean video feed using the capture software of your choice. This is awesome. I think we should do this and we should uh, do the show through the Game Boy. <laughs> what was that? Uh, you remember the Game Boy, uh, the the uh, webcam that it, not webcam. Yeah, the there was camera? a camera for the Game Boy. Yeah, oh, I remember that. Who cool would that be? Do like a special. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we call it uh, the, but, the, the pea soup uh, edition of the show. <laughs> But we would have to not tell anybody, and then when people watch yeah. live, they're like, "What in the world is going on here?" It's really cool, though. If you look at if you look at the, the some of the video uh, on here, they have uh, some YouTube videos on here, and it's really cool how it works, and it just goes right into uh, right into to Streamlabs or OBS or whatever you use, and you could stream your Game Boy to to Twitch or YouTube, whatever you desire. If I had the time, I would love to stream some Game Boy. That would be awesome. I gotta find oh, my Game Boy. Stream Link's Awakening, some Wario Land and Mario Land. That'd be fun. I'll tear apart my mom and dad's house, see if I can find my old Game, game Boy. It's gotta be there somewhere. It has to be. It's gotta be. Somewhere in that house is a, a lonely Game Boy gathering dust. Uh, it's just been waiting like those uh, arcade <laughs> machines in Tron Legacy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Our last story comes to us from our favorite site, NintendoLife.com. 
Taito Corporation preparing for 70th anniversary celebrations in 2023. It's crazy that they've been around that long. I know. Uh, the famous video game developer Taito Corporation, known for legendary arcade hits like Space Invaders and Bubble Bobble, will celebrate its 70th anniversary on the 24th of August of this year. To prepare for this epic milestone, the company has already kicked things off by opening a commemorative website and a special Twitter account. It was founded in 1953 and made a name for itself with vending machines and jukeboxes and then moved into electromechanical games in the 60s. This followed up with its entry into the video game arcade cabinet in, in 73, and then Space Invaders came along in 78. That's a pretty monumental occasion. Mm-hmm. A business much less a video game company that has stayed around for 70 years. I would love to a lot see of people it, don't live to be that, to be 70. I know. I would love to see a, um, a, a documentary about the company. I would love that. That would be really, really cool. I mean, I, they deserve it, you know, to be around for that long. There absolutely should be one. Yeah. How do you go from vending machines and jukeboxes to, uh, you know, Ninja Gaiden. Like, that's uh, that can't be a straight line. We would know if they made a documentary. Yeah. Uh, it, it, Norman Crusoe, uh, gaming historian. If you're listening, <laughs> yeah. there's one for you. Yeah, there's, there's your next topic. <laughs> uh, but that brings us to the end of the news, and now it is time for this month in video game history. <laughs> On January 14th of 1987, Nintendo releases Zelda II The Adventure of Link for the Famicom disc system in Japan only. The game would go unreleased in America for nearly two years afterwards. And that wasn't long enough. Yeah, I was going to say, it should have stayed that way. <laughs> I, I will still say this. If that game were not a Zelda game, it would have been much better received. Yeah, probably. I I don't know. I, I maybe I should give that that game another chance, but pff, I don't know. I I did, and I'm I'm still I'm still good on it. Like I I have no desire to ever go back and play it. Agalos did Zelda two much better than Zelda two. Yeah, did. I agree very much so. January twenty ninth of nineteen ninety six, three D Realms releases Duke Nukem three D for MS DOS. I'm still waiting for the Duke Nukem movie with John Cena. <laughs> I would that would be oh I mean you could watch it now. Just go watch Peacemaker. It's pretty much the closest yeah, thing you could get to it. Pretty much, but like that solidifies that he would be the perfect Duke Nukem. Oh yeah, I would watch that movie. Where's James Gunn? Like, send him a, send him a text message, or a, send him a message. Yeah, I'll just uh, DM him on Twitter and be like, hey, make this happen. Ah, Joey says he, uh, jo Joey Image in the chat room says he just got an Amazon Fire Stick, so he's watching us on the big TV. That's awesome. Ooh, nice. See my ugly face on big screen. Yeah, sorry you have to see our faces on a giant <laughs> TV, but still, that's cool. Uh, January 7th of 2000, publisher ASC Games shut down... Due to financial reasons arising with the ongoing delay of their upcoming game, Werewolf the Apocalypse, The Heart of Gaia. That's a mouthful. Yeah, I was about to say, that's a very long title for a game. I've never even heard of that. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember, what has AC Games made? Uh, well, it says World of Darkness uh, is a series of tabletop role-playing games. So I guess they must have been making a, uh, a big RPG and just kind of... Let it crumble the company. Yeah, it says here that they made games for the NES, SNES, and Sega Genesis. Hmm. But it doesn't have a list of the games that they made. Oh, that's not a good sign. Well, let's see. Games published... They published Grand Theft Auto? Really? That can't be right. All right, let's see. ASC yeah. Games. I don't... I've never heard of ASC Games. Uh, Grand I haven't Theft Auto either. for MS DOS. Uh, let's see. Oh, TNN Bass Tournament of Champions for the, the Super The sad Nintendo. thing is, I remember that game. <laughs> uh, I never played it, but I remember it. Super Troll Islands for Super Nintendo. I don't remember that game. I do remember Ten Pin Alley though for so, uh, the PlayStation. Super Troll Islands should be remade, but it be about internet trolls. Yeah, it's about Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Twitter has turned into a dystopia yeah. of trolls. <laughs> uh, 
Interesting. Yeah, they made the uh, the MS DOS version of Grand Theft Auto. Hmm. I'm surprised. I, if, I, I I might have heard of them before. I just don't remember. Doesn't if that were a, a trivia question, I would have gotten that wrong. Exactly. I would have said Rockstar. Me too. Interesting. Let's see. Uh, where is our... Okay, so January 10th of 2001, our last installment of this month in video game history for this week's show. Capcom releases Mega Man 64 for the Nintendo 64 in North America, which I believe was Mega Man Legends mm -hmm. on uh, PlayStation. I didn't get to play either one. I didn't either. I I remember Mega Man 64 coming out, but I, I wasn't that into Mega Man growing up, so I never I never got around to it. And I'm looking I do at remember the, this game coming out though. I'm looking at the screenshots here and I gotta say, I, I I don't like it. I don't like that perspective. No. There don't get me wrong, there are some good games for the N sixty four, but there's also some bad ones. Yeah. And this looks like one of them. It looks like you're playing um you know, typical for this time, you're playing uh, the 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 view is from behind the character, and mm -hmm. that's not Mega Man to me. Mega Man is a two D side scroller. That's what it needs to be. It's got varying reviews. Uh, Famitsu, let's see, they gave the N sixty four version a twenty eight out of forty. Mm. Uh, Gamespot five point three. They gave the PC version a three point six. Mm. It's got a very uh, Pepsi Man I vibe to it. Hey, Pepsi Man was a phenomenal game. <laughs> I'm sure. No, it was. it's 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 really not. I just say that to. I, I'm I'm part of Super Troll Island, I guess. Yeah. I I just like the song, Pepsi Man. Yeah, we should uh, go back and play that again on stream one day. If I ever have the time, that would be a game that I would stream. Hey, you do it. I, I, I need to. I'd have to get like. A full like I have to get a Pepsi logo shirt, <laughs> wear blue sunglasses, and just have like Pepsi banners all behind me. Yeah, you could be the Pepsi Man. Yeah, exactly. Pepsi Man playing Pepsi Man. But uh, before we go into the review tonight, I'm excited about tonight's review. We have Patreon shoutouts. Would you like to do the honors? Yes, sir. As always, we'd like to shout out our awesome patrons over at Patreon.com/slash/NerdCaveRetro. We want to shout out John West, Daniel Salmon. Tyler Watson, Axblade07, Armez Jackson, Carlos Longoria, and I can do this this week because I have my voice back. I am the Rampage! Rampage! Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Joey Image, and Donna, a.k.a. Mama Diamond. Mama thank Diamond. You all so, <laughs> thank you all so much for your continued contributions and keeping the lights on for us here at the podcast and if you could get us back to that $50 level we will resume the fun commentary tracks that we've done throughout the years like the Super Mario Brothers movie Transformers the movie Christmas Vacation animated shows like Batman the Animated Series Gargoyles Darkwing Duck uh, live action shows like Family Matters we've got such a a, a smorgasbord of uh content in our archives that we've done uh, for the commentary track. So we're only about $5, like four or $5 away from get being back over 50. So just, we're, we're so very close We we can see the finish line. Yeah. So just yeah, help us get back to that $50 level and we'll do those fun episodes for you every month. And you want if you want to do that, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And for new patrons, be sure to send us your social media info, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, so we can give you a proper shout-out. Are you a coffee lover? Do you sometimes need that little extra boost for some all-night gaming sessions? Well, you should head over to brezcoffeeco.com. They have so many different flavors of coffee. doesn't matter what type of coffee you like. They got you covered. Try the Good for Gaming Roast, or the Two Hardies One Ship, which is a rum and dark chocolate flavored roast. Not to mention, they keep their seasonal flavors all year long, like the Fall Spice or the Sweet Tooth. They can even add flavors to your coffee. So whatever you need, head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use the code NCR for 10% off of your order. And tonight, I will be talking about...
Die Hard. There were three games released for Die Hard back in the uh, early 90s. One was released for the Commodore 64 in 1990. One was released for the TurboGrafx-16 in 1990. And the other for the NES in 1991 by Activision. Uh, but to the earlier DOS video game was created by Dynamics in 1989. Tonight, I will be talking about the NES version of the game. Its gameplay is based on the 1988 film. And during the game, the player rescues hostages and battles with terrorists from a top view perspective at Nakatomi Plaza in Los Angeles. So the plot of the game, and, and I will say this about the game. It follows the movie pretty closely. As far as a, uh, a licensed game like this, you know they were pretty hit and miss back in the back in the 80s and 90s. Most of the time, I would say probably 99.8% of, of licensed games f for movies, TV shows, or whatever... I would say that number is is about how many of them that that would just suck. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, most of the time, if if I saw a game that was licensed from a movie, I was not playing that game. <laughs> I was not going to even bother. I mean, I tried with things like Bill and Ted, and I, I was highly disappointed with that game when I was a kid. Uh, the Friday the Thirteenth game, which honestly, I think Friday the Thirteenth is better than it it's gotten credit for, but that's a, that's, we've talked about that before. There's things too, like in that game, it was just executed poorly. Well, that's how they sold the game was that it had the name of the movie or the mm. show. And you're like, Oh, this will be like Bill and Ted, or this will be like Friday yeah. the 13th or back to the future. I want to play it. And then you get home and you're like, Hey, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, but like they already got your money. Roger rabbit and Dick Tracy. Yep. Like all those games were terrible. The only ones that were really good were like Batman, you know, and Batman returns for the super Nintendo. Um, and Joey says the Commodore 64 Friday the 13th was awesome. Uh, the Nintendo NES was horrendously great, though. I never played the Commodore 64. I, from what I hear, there was a lot of games that were bad on the NES were actually good on the Commodore 64. We might have to look into that, or into games that were terrible for the Nintendo but were great on the on the C64. Might have to look into that and, and do a show about that. Yeah, we should. But uh, like I said, this game actually follows the plot really closely uh, to the movie. The, the only thing, I actually have it written in my notes here. Um, the thing in the game is there are 40 terrorists in the in the game as opposed to 13 in the movie, which I can understand because if you only had 13 terrorists in the game, the game would be over be really pretty quick. Game. Yeah, because that's, like, well, that's the plot of the game is you got to take out all the terrorists. Um, and, and, of course, it, it follows the movie. You have to... Uh, and let's see, what did I say here? I said, um, it's an, uh, this is a very early version of modern style gaming, which I was surprised by. It's semi open world. Uh, there's five floors of the Nakatomi building that you can explore. You can actually get to the fourth floor, which you, you actually have to take out the computer because there's a time limit to the game. Uh, you are doing it. You're trying to, to take out the terrorists, but the um what was the tech guy that just died a few weeks ago you know the tech guy mm, the yeah um, oh the quarterback yeah. is toast that guy he's steadily going through the the layers of the vault and you have to take out everybody before he gets through all those layers so he constantly pops up on the screen every once in a while i was like i'm through the first layer or whatever but then you actually take out you have to go through the building you take out terrorists and you you steal their radio. You get a uh, you can find a map of each floor. You go through uh, and you um, actually gain access to the. Once you gain access to the service elevator, then you can go down to the fourth floor. But you have to you have to <laughs> take out one of the terrorists to get uh, a, a missile uh, for the rocket launcher. You go take the service elevator down to the fourth floor. And then you take out the main computer of the building, and that slows them down significantly. So that buys you a lot of time in the game. And that's the cool thing about the game only has like a, I can't, I don't know what exactly what the time limit is on the game, but that's something that wasn't done then. You know, like there's an actual time limit to the game to to finish. 
a lot of people don't like time limits with me. It depends on the situation with this. I think it's actually good because when you have a time limit, it, it ups the sense of urgency. Like yeah. you, you said it's semi open world, but you only have a limited time to explore or really do anything. And I, what surprises me also, and I was going to ask you about this with a lot of those adaptations of movies and shows, they'll take deviations from the movie or the mm. show. So like it'll follow the story to a degree, but then different things will happen. Like I remember when I reviewed the toy story game, it follows the movie for the most part, but there are little detours that you will take, but then ultimately get back to the original storyline mm. of the movie. Yeah. So I'm a little surprised that this was a pretty accurate representation. I mean, the terrorist thing, but that's understandable, but, because like you it, said, it, if there's only 13, then the game's going to be over in 10 yeah. minutes. And it's got a lot of, of cool little cut scenes in it that follow the movie. Uh, and the the graphics for the cut scenes are excellent. I mean, they look just like the people from the movie. Of course, they did take a little liberty with uh, uh, Bruce Willis's hair. They gave him a little more hair than he has in real life. Um, but yeah, you go in through the building and then you have uh, Al outside on the radio saying, you know, I, I don't know who you are, but I'm going to do whatever I can to help you. And as you're going through the floors, he'll pop in on the radio every once in a while and say, Hey, there's a guy on the 33rd floor West, you know, West side. So you go down to the 34th floor and like, he helps you like find all the terrorists to take them out. Um, and you also, uh, uh, there's also, I wrote on here, there's a, there's time limit. Of course there's loot drops, which is cool. Because uh, you go through and you pick up um, cl uh, machine gun clips, uh, you know, extra ammo. Um, you have, uh, uh, you know, your extra ammo. And then you, you have those little uh, flashbangs that you can use uh, that they had in the movie. Uh, like little pucks that you throw across the floor and they, they explode. Uh, those type of things. And um, you have two different health bars in this game. You have your main health which gets lowered if you get shot or whatever. Um, but you also have foot health, which is cool <laughs> because you use up your foot health by running. And also you can, everything, all the environments in the game are, are destructible. Like all the glass paneling, when the terrorists come in, like if you shoot, if you shoot a window in the building, you can literally dive out the window and die. And came over. That's awesome. And if you smash up, like you go into the computer room, and it's just like the movie. They shoot all the glass, and you're walking over it, and your foot health goes down to zero. And then you're just kind of like moving really slow. And there are two different ways to gain health in the game. Uh, your main health is uh, is revived by drinking soda, which is such a 90s thing <laughs> to yep. do. In a video game, I gain health by drinking soda. Okay. All right. That, that'll cure a bullet wound is a nice Dr. Pepper, you know? Tell that to somebody in 2023. <laughs> somebody called Dr. Pepper. I just got shot like 15 times. <laughs> and you almost made me do a spit take. <laughs> I was going through the building, and you can, you can memorize where everything is. Like, there are drink machines th uh, throughout the building. Um... And, you know, you shoot the drink machines and like five or six sodas will pop out and they each give you like two or three health that you drink. But I was confused when I was first playing it because I was running across, uh, I would find these health packs and I would run across a health pack and it's, and this little, you know, scene would pop up and says, John uses the, the health pack to ease the pain in his feet. And that, you know, brings up your foot health. And then once that was full, I would run back over the health pack, but it wouldn't it wouldn't fill my health. I'm like, why is it not filling my health bar? And then I, I once I read up on it and I, I did I read a walkthrough after a while because I was kind of confused about what to do. Um, once I read the walkthrough, I was like, oh, okay, the health packs are for your feet. The soda is for your regular health. That's a crazy detail that I would not expect at all from an NES game. Yeah. To have like specific health. But I, I love that detail. And, you know, for those that have seen the movie, they'll understand that. But that's really cool. Yeah. And, and that, I, like I said, I didn't really know uh, what to do until I did the walkthrough. 
And I and in my in my notes, I said I've heard people. And I have over the years. I've I've heard people talk about this game. Uh, even the the uh, um, the angry video game nerd did a video of this game like years and years ago. And I actually went back and watched it last night. And I, it was kind of unfair to this game, but he did have a point that it's not the type of game that's instantly. Uh, it's not intuitive what you're supposed to do in the game because it's not straightforward at all. Like you're going through the building, you're you're finding maps, and you're you're trying to get all the uh, C4 so you can blow uh, blow the roof and all that kind of stuff, and and you're trying to find you know you got to use C4 to kill. Um, was it Marco? Was his name or the main you know the blonde hair guy in the movie that's so hard for him to kill? Like you have to use C four on him because he's so hard to beat because he comes after you after a while. You have to get the detonators and all that stuff, but it's not linear. I mean, you're you're going up to the roof to call the police, and then you go back down and you go into the, you can and you can use the elevator. There's a stairwell, and you're safe in the elevator, the stairwell, and also you're in the air duct, like in the movie. But you're not safe in the air duct because once Hans figures out you're in the air duct then they start actually shooting the air duct with you in it. So it, that one's kind of dicey to, to use to get through the building. But I, what I wrote was that the game's not intuitive, and I think that's one of the reasons why people didn't like the game. But if you have a strategy guide, or if you actually read the manual uh, when you were a kid, um, the actual enjoyment of this game, if you do a walkthrough, the enjoyment ramps up once you kind of know what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, and I I do like the the layout of the game. Like I, I watched a little bit of gameplay of it. I like that top down view. Like it, it looks. If I were designing a diehard game, that's exactly how I would have done it. And yeah. it, it makes me interested to you know to get a ROM and actually give it a shot because it, it seems really fun. It is a really. I mean, it's better than I thought it was going to be because this is one of those games that I, I never got to play. When I was a kid, and Joey says AVGN's Friday the Thirteenth uh, for NES is hilarious. Then yeah, all, most of those early AG, AVGNs are great. Uh, yeah, I love going back and watching those over and over again. Um, but yeah, this game I didn't give. I, I really didn't play it as a kid. And I have a feeling that if I had, I probably wouldn't have known what to do, and probably would have thought not thought highly of the game, but because it's so far ahead, I think this game is just way too far ahead of its time, honestly, on as far as with the time limit, everything you're supposed to do, because honestly, I mean, it just follows the movie. You know what you have to, if you watch the movie, you should know what to do in the game. <laughs> you know I mean? It basically follows the movie almost perfectly. Do you think this game would have been better received had it come out for maybe the Super Nintendo or the Genesis? Uh, probably. And well, my big one of my big this is my biggest complaint of the game, and I wrote it down. Uh, it's, I wrote the shooting in this game kind of sucks. It probably Seems like it plays better with the NES Advantage with a joystick, like an arcade top-down shooter. The D-pad never was great for this style of like overhead sort of run and gun type of game. Uh, it does it better in games like Gunsmoke, um, you know, Jackal, those type of overhead shooters. But this one, and it, it kind of makes it feel like the movie a little bit because when an enemy comes on the screen, it's so frantic when you're trying to, <laughs> to shoot because the only strategy in this game to kill someone is <clears throat> because what happens is they'll come into, the, they'll enter the screen. And a lot of this game is listening too. you have to listen for footsteps and then you have to go searching around for people that are coming after you. Um, but they enter the screen, they'll, they'll shoot and then they'll run. So you're constantly having to like run these people, the, the terrorists down. And it's just, it's a bullet hell is all it is. Especially when you get more than, you know, two or three enemies on the screen and they're all shooting you and you're trying to dodge bullets and shooting them. So basically you're just turning yourself in a circle shooting and it's basically you're in a spray and pray situation until you finally kill them. 
That should be a new game genre, spray and pray. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's basically <laughs> so what it's, it's so frantic when, when that's going on. So it's the literal definition of a running gun. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you basically have to chase people down, um, use the, the, the pucks if you can, but they're kind of hard to... You, ha- you have to get them right next to a person for them to be effective and stun the enemy. And they use them on you all the time. Like, every time, I'm always running around corners and get stunned and you can't move for like three seconds and you're just soaking up bullets. It sounds like a game that, you know, however fun that it may be, it it may have been better suited to come out a generation later. Yeah, I think so. But for what it is and for what the, the NES could do, I think they actually pulled it off for as well as the NES could. And that's, that's high praise, I, and I'm not saying that in a that the NES was bad at anything. I'm not. I'm just saying for what the limitations it was, of what the NES could do. It's what do, you had at the time. Yeah, this was the best it could do at the time for this type of game, and none of no other games were doing this type of thing at the time, and I don't think a lot of other games pulled off this type this much ambition. In a game, like like I said about like Friday the Thirteenth, there's a good game in there. It just was executed poorly. I think this is a good game, and it just needs to be. Uh, people need to give it a second look and forgive it for its its shooting. But you kind of get used to it after a while. Uh, the just the frantic kind of spray and prey situations you get in once you kind of get used to it and you understand how the enemies move then and where they are and that's the thing about the game they're never in the same place twice and that's what kind of makes this game fun like the ai of the actual terrorists they're never in the same place twice ever i like that that's cool and uh there let's see i talked about the health bars talked about uh the side yeah you do the side quests where you go and you find the map of the building all that kind of stuff there are multiple endings to this game that you can do um there's actually a way to and <laughs> i've been watching arcus the last couple of months and he actually has the speed run the world speed run record of this this game and i think it's like a minute 45 seconds you can defeat what? this game in a minute and 45 seconds Wow. You don't survive, but Holly does. <laughs> because at the end of the game, it's like, you saved Holly. Like, good job. And all the terrorists are dead. Great job. But the good ending of the game is pretty much exactly like the movie. You kill Hans, and then you and Holly are downstairs. Uh, it's not Marco. What is his name? The the blonde guy, the terrorist, uh, the duty has to Carl? Be- Carl. Yeah, Carl. Carl shows up, and then, uh, you know, uh, Carl Winslow shoots him, and then, you know, you did a great job. You, you saved the day. Congratulations. Uh, game over. And, that's and the Merry good Christmas. Ending. Yeah, and Merry Christmas. <laughs> and there are Christmas trees in this game, so uh, on some of the floors of this game. So you, this is definitely a Christmas game to play. I mean, we, we've made the argument Die Hard is absolutely a Christmas movie, and this is a Christmas game. Yeah. And I really did like this game. I love the aesthetic of the game. I like the 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 graphics of the game. The music's really good. There's different, you know, it's not the same music through the whole game. Like it there's it has different tracks that it plays throughout the game. Um use of the the stairwells and the elevator and the the uh the ventilation system going from from floor to floor. The memorization. I like games where you kind of have to memorize where stuff is. And go after the uh, the things you need to to finish the game. I like that kind of stuff, and it did it really well for being an NES game. I'm glad that you have high praise for this game because, as we mentioned earlier, a lot of the adaptations, even after the NES, still weren't great. Yeah. So uh, it's cool that this this one specifically is good because this is a movie. You know, like my parents love this movie, so I grew up with it. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy that the game adaptation is good as well. And it has a lot of replay value too because of the multiple endings. And then you have actually, uh, you have a beginner and advanced. And Mm -hmm. I don't recommend playing advanced unless you're just nuts because it takes 
on beginner, it only takes one bullet, one or two bullets to kill an enemy. In advanced, it, it's like they're just bullet sponges, and there are a finite amount of bullets in the game. Yeah, maybe I'll stick to beginner if I try this out. Yeah, just stick with beginner and uh, <laughs> do a walkthrough to so you can kind of figure out what it is you're supposed to be doing. Once you kind of figure figure out what it is you're supposed to be doing, you're in and. It just make, it makes the game really enjoyable, and I wish I would have given this game uh, a try when I was a kid. I, I'm not. I have a feeling if I tried this as a kid, I probably wouldn't enjoy, have enjoyed it because I probably wouldn't have known what to do. But knowing what we know now with games, and it, I feel like it was way ahead of its time, and uh, you know it's. I think for the time they really pulled off a nice adaptation of a movie for a video game adaptation of a movie. So what uh, number score would you give this game? I, I would give it at least, I mean, it's got its flaws. Like the shooting does bring it down a lot. I will admit that, but everything else, I mean, this game is a solid C plus. So I would say a 7.5 out of 10. I think that's fair. And uh, Joey says the wife, fair. wife says she was recently watching an interview with Bruce Willis where he says it's definitely not a Christmas movie. Boo! <laughs> <sighs> that's disappointing. Yeah. yeah. So here, here's my stance on that. If Christmas is a is an important aspect of the storyline, mm-hmm. it classifies as a Christmas movie. Christmas is important in Die Hard. Thus, it is a Christmas movie. <laughs> I agree 100%. Plus, I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to watch it every Christmas Eve for the rest of my life. And that's it's just... not Christmas time until Hans Gruber falls off Nakatomi Plaza. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that, I give it a 7.5 out of 10. If you can get your hands on a copy, it's really expensive now. I looked up a copy uh, to maybe get because I don't have an actual copy of this game. Um, and they go for like a, a, just a loose cart goes for about 150 bucks. On wow. EBay. Yeah. That's wild. It's quite expensive these yeah, days. No, thanks. But, uh, but I, I grabbed a ROM of it and, um, and, and legal ways, <laughs> um, you know, for preservation purposes, you know? Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, I, I would love to get my hands on a copy of it. Um, if you know anybody that has multiple copies <laughs> and wants to let one go for pretty cheap, I'll take it off their hands. Yeah. Cause I would love to play this with the NES advantage. I think I would like it a lot better, um, for with playing on the NES advantage. I think an arcade stick would serve this game a lot better. I think so too. But, uh, but that's my review for, for Die Hard for the NES. I really highly enjoyed it. And I think they should do an updated version of it. I would love to play this on Switch with updated graphics and the analog stick. I think that would make it so much better. That would be fun. But uh, but that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. And uh, before we go, I am giving it one more week on the VHS giveaway of our Street Fighter VHS. So don't forget to review or rate the show, screenshot it, and send it to us. I've already got everybody that's done it so far. I have it in a, 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 a notes folder on my phone. And then next week, we're going to do a drawing for it live on the show. And uh, so get you got one more week to get us your, your screenshots of the, the nice. ratings and reviews. Be excited to finally give away that VHS copy. I know. I'm ready to give it to somebody. Somebody that'll love it and squeeze it and give it a good home. I hope we get a picture of them actually hugging the VHS tape. Yeah. <laughs> and don't forget, uh, if you if you want to send us voicemails, too, you can send us voicemails at anchor.fm slash NerdCaveRetro, and we will play them on the show. And uh, let's go ahead and get out of here. And uh, what's you got? Uh, actually, we got you on open micers this week. Yeah. Talking about yeah, in, the return. In just, uh, <laughs> in just uh, 40 minutes. Yeah. Something like that. So go. Derek will be on this week's Open Micers, which will be out Wednesday, or you can watch us live here in about 40 minutes, and uh, we'll be talking about the feature and the return of Derek Diamond Experience. Yes, sir. So tell everybody where they can find the Derek Diamond Experience. Yeah, 
So you can follow the show. Actually, you can go to linktree.com slash Podcast. I've hopped on the Linktree bandwagon. It's so much easier that oh, way. Yeah. Uh, that has everything from YouTube, social media, podcast. Everything's there. So just head over to linktree.com slash Podcast. Uh, the past two weeks, we've been doing a behind-the-scenes look of the feature. Uh, our mutual friend Jeremy Branch has been filling in as guest host so that I can sit in with the cast and crew. We talked with the three primary cast members. Uh, that episode came out today. And then next week we'll talk to the supporting cast and that will lead into uh, the premiere of the feature, which will be a week from Saturday. You can go to facebook.com slash the feature movie, click on the events page and you can buy tickets uh, from that link there. And it's been really good episodes so far. So if you're not listening to the Derek diamond experience, go follow him on uh, wherever your fine podcasts are given away for free. Same with Open Micers, at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram. And I think that's it. Anything else before we walk out the door? I think we're good, my friend. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. You can go to our link tree by just going to nerdcaveretro.com. And guess what? That takes you to our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, and of course, our merch shop at ncrmerch.com, where you can go get t-shirts, bags, mugs, uh, stickers, magnets, whatever you need, ncrmerch.com. And of course, patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, where as little as a dollar a month gets you ad-free episodes of the show and just about everything we put out uh, extra every single month. So go follow us over there. And of course, leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. yippee Yeah. I'm glad you didn't say the rest of it so I don't have to bleep it. <laughs> <laughs>